You're listening to the Real Estate Insider Podcast, a bold look at reality, news, analysis, strategies, and opinions, direct from the veteran team at the Rain Research Institute, with today's host, real estate strategist, Russell Westcott. Hi, my name is Russell Westcott with the Real Estate Investment Network, and this is Building Real Estate Wealth, The Rain Way the interview series for sharing the behind the scenes stories for real estate investing success. This interview series is designed to provide you with the detailed insights, strategies, and inspiration to create a lasting legacy of financial independence. I'm glad you're here. And once again, it's time to build your real estate wealth. Today, we are proud to bring you Erwin Zito. Prepare to hear a wonderful story of what building a real estate portfolio can do for others. Erwin and his fellow members from the Rain community invest in real estate and give back to the community. This past year, Erwin and his Basket Brigade partners will potentially feed up to 400 deserving families and discover how real estate investing plays a big role in this contribution. Plus, in this interview, Erwin and I share some great strategies for getting over the fear of real estate investing, some personal branding, and how to build a nest egg for your children to help pay for their future education. Enjoy this special interview with one of the good guys in real estate, Erwin Zito. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Russell Westcott here from the Real Estate Investment Network. Today, we have a very special guest with us. You know, I'm excited to talk to a really good friend, a real estate area expert, a veteran RAIN member, Erwin Zito. Erwin, welcome to the call today. Welcome to the interview. How are you doing today, Erwin? I am excellent. Really excited to do this, Russell. Well, Erwin, I know you you're familiar to the whole podcasting world. You you've started your own podcast. So let's do let's do a plug right off the hop. Where where can people <laughs> find your podcast at? Uh I'm on uh iTunes and uh, the Android equivalent. <laughs> I'm an Apple guy now. So and my joke is, you know, if you can find if you have an Android, you're probably more tech savvy than I am, so I'm sure you can find me. Right on. <laughs> How's that process but, been going for you? Uh, pretty good. Uh, it was a lot more work than I expected at the beginning, and I'm uh, enjoying it. I'm enjoying it a lot more than I expected as well. Uh, you know, I listen to podcasts because I, uh, even if I don't get anything out of it directly, I'm always inspired by the stories, and I'm finding the same thing with the people I interview. Uh, I've interviewed several Rain members like Pierre Paltrow-Jean and uh, Susan White Livermore just last week, and they have such inspiring messages. Uh, so I get more inspired. I get more energy out of producing uh, my own podcast. So I'm, I'm enjoying it as, as 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 well as hopefully my listeners are. Well, now here here's where we get to turn the tables, there, Mister Mister Zito. You get to be the inspirer, or if you will, of <laughs> of this whole thing. So so you know, first and foremost, just wanted to thank you for coming on to this interview. And you know, we're just focusing and featuring some some rain members with some really cool stories. And and you know, your your name came up with a lot of the work you've been doing with uh, rain members the support you've been doing, the whole work you've been doing around the Basket Brigade. And we're going to get into all that. But before we do get into this, you know, for the people that haven't heard of Erwin Zito, uh, maybe you can just give us what you would say in like your 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 47 second elevator pitch of, you know, who you are, where you invest, and and maybe just uh, what your, your specialty is in investing. Most people in the real estate world know me as uh, Mr. Hamilton, uh, which is my brand and our focus. Uh, our focus is primarily on the Hamilton and surrounding area. Uh, we focus on starter homes for different reasons. Uh, we, With the starter home, we want something that's affordable. Uh, and we 
uh, ideally want homes that can we can apply many strategies to. We can apply rent to own or basement suiting or student rental or even just straight up regular renting. Um, now and, uh, that's that's our strategy. That's fantastic. Now you you mentioned Mr. Hamilton. Now it, it's really hard to find you in a crowd, Irwin. When you're when we go to a rain <laughs> meeting, you know there's you know four sometimes there's four five six. 700 people there. You know, sometimes it's hard to find you in that crowd, yeah, but, uh, yeah. and I, I'm obviously tongue in cheek here and talking about that. Maybe just share with everybody what you do when you go to networking events. Uh, I wear uh, a Hamilton Tigercast jersey with uh, my website on the back, uh, mrhamilton.ca. So it's, it's, a, it's an official jersey, so it's black and gold, so it stands out. Uh, you know, it's probably the most iconic brand of our city. Um, so it kind of gets to the point when people see it, they know what I represent. <laughs> so there's no questioning where your expertise lies. If anyone's looking in Hamilton, they go to Mr. Hamilton, don't they? Cor- correct, correct. And, and uh, it's a great way to start conversations. And also, I think it brings down a lot of uh, uh, barriers. Uh, just people are nervous. And when they see the jersey, they know I'm open for a discussion. Right. Now, it's funny. Was it the last meeting or the meeting before when you actually, for the first time in I don't know how many years, were not wearing it, and I honestly did not recognize you? (laughs) I had to look twice to see if it was you or not. But but here's a a point, ladies and gentlemen, and Erwin, maybe you can just share... when you do wear that and you do go to, to um, uh, networking events, do you actually get people approaching you and get business from that? Uh, yes. Uh, like I said, when people see the jersey, it kind of brings down their, their guard. Uh, so people feel I'm more approachable in that way. And I actually remember one story when early on in my career, I was at a, uh, a realtor conference that was hosted by CMHC. They were giving a presentation on the project for the forecast for, for Hamilton. And uh, one realtor I knew was making fun of me because I wasn't dressed out in business, formal business casual like everyone else was. But then what happened was someone from CMEC approached me and said, are you from the media? And I said, I have a blog. And she says, that's great. Come on. I want you to come meet everyone at CMEC. So then I met all the senior economists and their manager and, and I got a seat at the front table. <laughs> so it opens, it opens doors that way as well. Um, well, good old fashioned hustle and guerrilla marketing. Never heard anybody did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just trying to stand out, trying to be different. Well, thank you for setting the context of where you're at. And now, so maybe uh, to just further round the conversation, um, so you help investors. You, you're a realtor in the area. You're an area expert. You're also an investor yourself. Correct. Um, what, uh, what size of a portfolio or what, uh, uh, what type of um, properties do you like to buy yourself? Uh, currently, we're, we're focusing on Hamilton. Uh, we have properties in Toronto, in St. Catharines. We just sold our properties in Brantford to... Uh, just to reall- reallocate the money back to Hamilton, which we're really bullish on. Um, I've transacted on something around 20 properties from just myself. Uh, and our focus is, again, mainly single fam- starter, starter homes. And um, hope that answers your question. Yeah, absolutely. What, so what would be your best guess on how many um, transactions you've helped out investors with in the Hamilton area? Uh, we're at a tilt of around over 60 properties a year for, for investors. You know the area is like the back of your hand, don't you? It's what we do every day. And this business is, we try to keep it as simple as possible. If I would buy it, then it's something I would recommend to my client investor to buy as well. Right on. Yeah, you only recommend what you're currently doing yourself, where you put your own, you know, you eat, as the old saying is, you eat your own cooking. Correct. Uh, the, uh, uh, the last three offers I wrote for myself were all properties that I listed and I had recommended to people. <laughs> and then after showing the crap out of it, like none of my clients took it, I took it. Right. 
right? Oh, that's a a sign of a good realtor as well as, you know, if you believe in the product so much that you would actually buy the property yourself. Well, I believe in it so much and also that's our own policy internally is we won't buy without our clients being aware of it, right? I think it's an ethics thing and also our job as your fiduciary, I am supposed to present you the deal first, right? Right. Uh, And I know know many people don't do it that way, but I just... I feel that's the right thing to do. Oh, good for you. Now let's 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 take a step back even before this. So um, so now bef- before Mister Hamilton was 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 born and created, uh, what was your background? Um, you know, BR if you will, before real estate. Where did you? Mm-hmm. What what got you a bit into real estate, or maybe where did you? What did you come through the ranks of maybe a traditional education, or or how did you get to the place you are now? Uh, I'd like to start at uh, in university. I went to business school. Uh, with our, the program I went to was at the uh, University of Western Ontario, so it's a very generalist program. So I've I've touched on all aspects of business: accounting, uh, operations, customer service, sales management, all those sorts of things. Uh, and so that's really helped in my career as an entrepreneur. Uh, out of school, actually, my the year I graduated was the year of nine eleven. Uh, so it was a pretty uh, awful job market I was getting into. Uh, pretty much everyone's budget, uh, budgets were slashed. Um, and I was only a, like a middle end student. <laughs> so I didn't have a great job coming out. Uh, but I landed on my feet and I worked for a company that was bought by IBM. Um, while I was there, we were bought by IBM. So I like I tell people I, I worked at IBM for about seven years. And for the last half or so of my career there, I was in uh, product management. Um, so again, uh, using a diverse skill set, my main role was to work with uh, internal clients and external clients to develop a product that they wanted. Um, so that, that helps. That doesn't really directly tie into real estate, but how it does tie into real estate was uh, the job was downtown. And at the time, I was living in Burlington. Uh, so it was a monster commute, more than an hour each way. Uh, and... Uh, I remember what one at one point, as every Monday morning, I'd go through my task list. Right, I prepare, I'd write out a new task list, like what thing, what did I need to accomplish, um, prioritize them as well, and then I'd do business and personal, so work and personal. And then my work one was, you know, about five times the list was about five times the size of my personal list, like things I needed to do to bring myself forward, bring my career forward, bring my uh, my wealth forward, and that just didn't seem right. <laughs> And so it kind of clicked in my head, like, I'll never get rich working a job. Right. You were trading the hours for dollars and you were finding that, you know, the old 80-20 rule that 80% of your time was spent doing, you know, quote unquote, your work. And it was only yielding probably 20% of your happiness. Exactly. And, and the commute was killing me as well. How, how for, for reference, did you, how long was the commute? Um, about an hour twenty each way, and that's be, before podcasting, right? That you couldn't actually yeah. you couldn't actually fill your fill your fill your mind with some unbelievable uh, stories and inspiration during that time too. Correct, so three correct. hours uh, is that three hours a day that you were close to? Yeah. Wow, that's a that's a lot of time. And I'm a frugal person, so I would walk. So the office was at Queen and Spadina, which is about twenty twenty five minute walk. So even in the winter, Toronto becomes like a wind tunnel. And when it's below, you know, when it's minus 15, minus 20, <laughs> I'd still walk because I was that frugal. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't take public transit. <laughs> so so you were a little disillusioned with the whole work thing. And it just it wasn't, you know, it just wasn't jiving. Your work was not um, leading you down the path where you thought you were going to get to. Um, 
within your personal life. Now, was there a moment that uh, something switched or was there, um, you know, an inflection point or, or what, what happened that kind of, uh, I know you felt the pain and was there a point that uh, you decided to make some changes? Uh, so actually years before that, I, I had already started investing. My girlfriend had got me into it, now, my, uh, my now ex-girlfriend. Uh, and so I had some properties. Uh, and then at a point, I could no longer work with the realtor I was working with. So I actually got my own realtor's license to to uh, trade for myself. That was the only intention. Uh, and and then what happened was um, I had a lot of friends from Rain. And they found out I had my license as well. And they'd seen what I'd done uh, with my own portfolio. And they wanted the same. So then people were hiring me to be my realtor and then I got busy. And uh, at, even at the office um, for my employer, I was writing offers because, uh, you know, the, the real estate world doesn't wait for you to get off your, off your job. You have to hustle. Right? So, so I was literally using their fax machine and printer to, to prepare offers while I was at the office. Uh, and then I got to a point where uh, it was costing me money. The opportunity cost of me being in the office uh, was too high. And then that was sort of like the point where I had I started designing an exit plan. So you reached a, a point where your hobby, if you will, quote unquote, your real estate hobby was starting to take over your, your, a, your passion, most likely, probably your attention. That was probably what you were most excited about at that time. And it just started taking over from what you were doing at, at your office and you just mm-hmm. put a plan in place. So what did that plan look like at that time? Uh, and to, to add to your point, like real estate, is can be incredibly profitable and rather easy if you're very prepared. Like, you know how easy it is for you, to, how it is today versus how it is when you were a beginner. Um, and, and so, yeah, so uh, I realized pretty quickly that uh, it was costing me money to be, to, make, to be doing that commute and being in Toronto rather than being in Hamilton. Um, and then the plan was, uh, I, and this is <laughs> this funny thing. Uh, I was taking, I was going to take a sabbatical and some unpaid leave. And I, I think it's funny because uh, so many people refuse to take unpaid leave, <laughs> but it's the right thing to do. Like it wasn't really, it wasn't really the proper thing for me, for me, for me to be doing outside work while I'm at the office. So that was my plan was to test it for a month, basically go on vacation. And then if things went well, I would drop down, I'd go to my boss and say, I want to drop down to part-time. Um, and then the, and that actually ha- so that happened. I went on sabbatical for a month and when it came back, I was actually ready to resign because business was going so well. Uh, like becoming a realtor and working with clients actually became, and, and becoming a coach of, of investors, I became a better investor myself. I was, I was seeing and acquiring much better property than I ever acquired before um, by being in the business every day, by being in the business of real estate every day and looking at properties regularly. Um, so I actually went back to work saying, uh, I'm um, sorry, boss. I don't belong here. I need to leave. And then a funny point is, uh, um, I think many of us do not understand how much power we have um, until you get to this point. Um, because my boss said, I can't lose you. <laughs> I need to keep you. Uh, and then actually the following day, she pulled me into her office and said, give me a, a number. As in, like, what's your price to stay? <laughs> and my answer was, there really is no price. Um, I am naturally an entrepreneur. I don't belong here. I can't put a price on that. Um, and so I dropped down to part-time from, uh, I think I dropped down to two days a week. And again, that was really painful. And for anyone who's, who's interested in leaving their job to produce, pursue real estate full-time, this was a great plan because I still had income coming in that way. 
And also it, it served as motivation because every day I was there, I was losing money and it made it painful. Uh, also because the work wasn't as um, satisfying, even though the, the job was wonderful. I had a very challenging job. I was in a knowledge position. People respected the work that I did. Uh, but again, I knew I could be a better service elsewhere, uh, making more money doing so. Uh, and yeah, the commute, the commute just sucked. <laughs> wow. wow. What a, what a wonderful story. That's, that's incredible. Now I, I don't even know where I have so many questions just from all that, that you, and how many points you just made from all those incredible, uh, lessons from there. I, I think I 100% agree to talk about, you know, getting to that uh, point of part-time. So most people listening to this, there'll be a lot of people listening to this will only want it as a part-time, which is totally fine. Mm -hmm. There'll also be a lot of people that want to just jump in and get a, you know, 200 property portfolio, you know, be careful what you wish for (laughs) at the same time. Uh, But then there's probably a lot of people in what I would call the gap in between wanting to make a transition to real estate, wanting to maybe get to full-time, but still have their work. And then maybe just starting uh, going in going on a service contract with your employer or or taking odd jobs or doing something to fill in the gap until you can supplement that income and move forward. So well done. And and I think the biggest thing I wrote down the note here too is really um, the price. You couldn't put a price on your passion, your entrepreneurship and your happiness all at the same same time. Yeah, that's exactly it. I think, you know, like how much would I have to pay you to go back to your job? (laughs) Good question. <laughs> Think about it. Isn't it a funny question? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting. And a lot of people just don't don't take the time to take the time and space to, to really think about that. So so wonderful. So when did you um when did you um were you a rain member at that time or when did you become a rain member? Uh I left around five years, six five, six years ago. So I've been a rain member since two thousand eight. So I was a rain member at this time, uh, and that's who I um, oh, I, you asked me earlier about education. It, you know, rain has been a, a massive influence in my life. It was like the most important education I had after university um, to get around knowledge and the business of real estate investing. Uh, and I've been at rain for several years at that point. I've attended every acre. Uh, since then as well. It was quick start back then. <laughs> uh, you, you know, you have to pay a dollar every time you use that term. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm teasing. <laughs> well, now it's SOS. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've invested heavily in education, uh, mostly through rain. And uh, I have rain to thank for many of the friends I have now today. Uh, you know, you know, the importance of uh, surrounding yourself with like-minded people, people who had raised you up. And I met so many of those people at Rain, and and even today, I still uh, I, many of them are still my friends, and they've many of them have replaced my old friends, who the people that didn't raise you up, the people that you know, let's go play hockey, let's go drink beer. Um, but instead, now you know, I have uh, friends that want to build businesses and give to charity, and you know, lead very active, healthy lifestyles. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's really cool of when you get around those people with shared interests and shared likes, and you know, and if you if if you're interested in real estate, it's 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 like fuel to to really to just drive you forward. 
And and what is expressed to me a lot and how I felt was um, one of the differences between, you know, the RAIN membership and, you know, per se, if you went to a quote-unquote boot camp, was one was, you know, you got there, it was really good for three days. It was fantastic. You can never go wrong educating yourself. Mm-hmm. But RAIN kept showing up each month. And each month, there was just another time that we, we got together, we just connected, and now we connect in between, whether it's online or whether it's... Uh, you know, Facebook or whatever, there's just that connection to the community, which is driven mm-hmm. just more than probably just the education even of itself. Right. And also this people, you see other people's success. Right. And I remember when I, when I joined, people were still, you still had the mic available for people to share their success stories. <laughs> but then you get to know people and I, I, you know, I talk to people at breaks and, uh, and again, outside of the meetings, uh, people I met through Rain and uh, everyone has wonderful success stories. And, you know, challenges at the same time. It's nothing better than having a community of like-minded people. If you're bumping mm-hmm. up against something or you're having a, a problem or or having, you know, just a lot of questions, you know, just having somebody who's been there, who's done that, you know, wonderful coaches like yourself who who are there to just say, you know what, I've been there, done that. Man, It's it was tough and here's how I handled it and here's right. how you can handle this too, so... And, and like you say, there's someone. In, there's always someone in the room that has the answer to the question you're looking for. Uh, thankfully, I've been around long enough, so I can go. I can just beeline to who I know. Who I know has the answer. <laughs> and, but one uh, of the key things is, and I would imagine it's probably one of the keys to your success, is that you got to show up. You can't. You can't potentially sit at home and have uh, questions and not get an answer. You need to. You need to get up. You need to get out. You need to network. You need to get surrounded by the like-minded people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you learn more on the breaks than you do during the the keynotes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Right on. Okay, so so now you've you've been a member for for um, if I do my math correct, it's like eight years. You're coming on nine, getting close to your ten year ten years in. Yeah. And you're helping other people out with their investments. You're focusing on Hamilton. You also shared something at a rain workshop, which you call your your um, properties for 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 children, if you will, <laughs> for lack of a better term. You, you you essentially recommend investors that are having kids that'll eventually get into university that they buy a property when they're young, and then eventually when the kids are ready for university, they got a uh, university education. Maybe if you can just share a little bit of the insights into that that strategy that you use. Right. You see, the, the, the it sort of changed along the way. When I was single and I was a new RAIN member, my goal was like, you know, 100 properties. I don't know, just throw a number out there. Yeah, mine <laughs> was 154, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> it's changed. <laughs> yeah, mine's changed too. Uh, when I had my daughter... Uh, like right after she was born, I was, I'm, I'm a, I have a, I have a, I have a runaway mind. I have a problem solving runaway mind that, that, that doesn't shut off easily, which makes it hard for me to sleep at night. <laughs> Always looking for problems and then how to solve them. And so the problem that came up was I am responsible for this human being who I love like nothing else in this world. There's nothing more important in this world than my kids. Uh, and they are expensive. <laughs> You know, once you become a parent, like I'm sure you can appreciate this too. But then you start seeing the, like, you start seeing like how much they cost. You know, rep hockey, braces, university. Yeah, I I have three myself, and and just wait till you start getting into the whole world of graduations and marriages and all that fun stuff too. And just wait till they till they want to start buying a house in Toronto in the highest yeah. highest market in the in the country or or in Vancouver. Yeah, good luck with yeah. that, with this current generation. So the problem was, I have an expensive 
uh, I have the large expense to feed. Uh, <laughs> let's call it that. And so I don't want to work forever. Uh, I have plans for an early retirement. I don't want that to change because of a child. So what am I going to do about it? I'm going to try to earn more money via investing to, to pay for all those future expenses. So by the time my daughter was three months old, she already owned a house. Not literally, it's, it's still it's in our corporation, but we've earmarked that house to pay for her expenses. And then when my son was born, when he was uh, about nine months, we got him a house as well. Um, again, earmark, it's, it's, in, it's in our corporation, but that house is earmarked to pay for his expenses. Right. Uh, so if you really think about it, you know, you could put aside the, you know, the old R-E-S-P route, you know, of you know, mm-hmm. put the money in and hope and pray that. And then by the end of end of it all, you know, you, you have exactly probably what you put in or even less, maybe, right. than what you actually put in. But even the R-E-S-P limit, R-E-S-P limit is so small. From what I'm understanding is, I read this Globe Mail article where it stated, uh, based on forecast, the inflation rate of uh, education is going to cost my daughter, when she's old enough to go to school, $130,000 just for tuition. And that's after tax money. Like the RSP will not come anywhere close to that. So I need to make a fair amount of money in 18 years, right? And even by then, by 18 years, like the cash flow will probably pay for her monthly expenses. Right. Well, I don't well, even have to sell the golden goose. So you've have a uh, you've essentially bought an, an asset for your brand new children that mm-hmm. in eighteen years time they have an option to go to university or go to a, a post secondary school if they so choose, mm-hmm. or or something may may tell me there may be a couple there may be a Mrs. Little Miss. Hamilton or a little Mr. <laughs> Hamilton coming out of the out of the family business too. You just never know. But you have multiple options that you yes. can share. And it was all because of actions you did 18 years ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and it reminds me of a story that Mark Cuban gave on, on uh, I should not know where, when he gave it, but he gave a story about how he says the best entrepreneur is three people in their garage and they live at home working on something, a new business, because they have no expenses. They have no debts. They live at home, right? Uh, and I want the same for my children. I don't want them to have a burden. Uh, if they want to start a business, if they want to go to medical school, like they can, they can go do it. They don't have to wait. They don't have to go work to earn the money in order to go back to school because what likely will happen is they'll start working and then they'll never go back, Right. They have to make a decision based on money. And another good story, a friend of mine who I work out, used to work out with, she, her family, she was, uh, she qualified for the Olympics. She qualified for, I forget which one, which one, but within like six years, she qualified for the Canadian rowing team. But because of money, she couldn't afford to go. And to me, that's completely unacceptable. If my child has, the, has, has earned the right to represent our country at the highest level of, of athletics, internationally, they are going, right? We'll sell as many houses as we need to go. Wow. Good good for you, brother. That's, you know, that's just being, you know, I don't know if it's the right term to use, but being just an amazing, responsible parent that has a long-term vision for their children's financial future and for the legacy 
if you will, that you're going to leave behind. And and who knows, Erwin, in 18 years' time, your, your children may be um, needing that capital to put into a probe to go to Mars, and they're going to be the first people to land on Mars. Who knows, right? right? <laughs> yeah, seed capital for a business venture. <laughs> right? Or, or they'll be the next Elon Musk. or who, mm-hmm. You just never know. You just never know. But... but uh, it's so inspiring to hear somebody who's putting those seeds in place early that you're going to have some different options 18 years from now. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then also like, you know, I, and then I have this conversation with people, our friends and family, how long will it take for you? Because my friends and family, I have friends and family roughly the same age as me. I'll say, how long does this take for you to save $130,000? Many of them don't even have an answer. Many of them haven't even put thought into it. And then like someone might say like seven, 10 years. So, okay. So it's going to, that's basically going to add seven to 10 years to your retirement age. Is that okay with you? To me, it's not. Right. Well, if you think about seven to 10 years, let's say 10 years, 130 grand, that's If you just were to save it, that's 13 grand. That's an extra thousand dollars a month after tax money Mm -hmm. that you actually have to put aside. Now, lots of people can do that but not everybody can, but at the same time, uh, a good piece of real estate bought in a a good economic region, like a a Hamilton, Mm -hmm. um, with modest cash flow and paying all the bills and mortgage pay down and some appreciation, that is totally doable with just one property, isn't it? Absolutely. I think people often forget how much mortgage pay down is. You know, when you're putting 20% down, we're like my mortgage, my mortgage, the return on my mortgage pay down alone is like nine, ten percent on each property. Yeah, I think I think the last time I measured it, I was I was like eleven or twelve. Yeah, you've had just, your properties longer than I have. Yeah, but the only <laughs> the only secret I need to crack Erwin is I just need to find out how mortgage pay down can pay groceries some days. So, right? <laughs> <laughs> but but at the same time, it's good that it's actually been it's a forced savings plan that we us entrepreneurs can't actually get access to it. Oh, absolutely. My wife and I, we, we laugh because we're not great savers. Like <laughs> we force ourselves to buy property so we can't touch it. <laughs> That's right. Well, you know what? Sometimes they say, you know, with entrepreneurs, you, you put take a lot of, you know, quote unquote risk in your business, right? Of, mm-hmm. Now you want your investments to be safe. And that's, you know, one of the good things about real estate. It's, it's you know, in a lot of markets, it's safe. There's ups, there's down, there's sideways, there's gyrations, but mm-hmm. it ain't going anywhere. And you're in for it for the marathon, for the long haul. And, you know, lo and behold, 15, 20 years later, it's free and clear. And you have, you know, it was because of actions you took 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you're, when you're good at this, when you've been doing this for a while, you kind of realize how easy this is. Well, it's simple. Some days it's not as easy as others, but it definitely is, it is a simple process. But yeah. it's there's a lot of fear around it now. Now you you coach people, so let's say I, I came to you, and and mm-hmm. a lot of this conversation that we just had helped me a lot already. But mm-hmm. let's just say I was a little fearful of the market, and a little fearful of of you know investing my capital and um, getting into you know Hamilton. What how would you help me help me um, work my way through that process? Yeah, oh, it depends on how green you are. <laughs> if you're a Ray member, we're pretty we're much further along in the conversation. We're more specific, talking about specific neighborhoods and different pro, uh, different strategies per, for a property. If you're completely green, 
it's a much larger discussion around well, one of the first conversation would be join rain right <laughs> you definitely need to get get educated uh, if you're someone who's considering this considering real estate investing like you want to buy like three five ten properties yeah you definitely need to get educated and i'm i can't be the one that uh, if you're completely green yeah you need to join something like a rain where you learn economics because once you understand like for my for, for to me once you understand once you understand economics and where things are in the world that kind of that kind of all points you to buying physical assets, and what better physical asset than something that pays for itself? A tenant pays for all my bills and leaves me some cash flow at the end of the day. Like, is there a better asset than that? So it's kind of the conversation goes around that. Uh, if they if they don't understand, <laughs> if they're really early in the in the thought process of investing in real estate, and then we talk about you know Hamilton. Uh, we'll, I'll refer, I always refer back to uh, Rain's reports on the top places to invest. Uh, you can't really get much better than you know, Hamilton, Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge, Barry, right? Always the top three. Play, they're always the top three. And so you look at the future of Hamilton. You look where it's been. You look where it's going. Uh, we have extremely low vacancy rates. Uh, in, in Hamilton, we're, we're close to Toronto. Uh, we're getting another go train station. There's all these economic fundamentals, and there's also the soft side. It's a wonderful city to live in. I have many friends that live in Burlington, for example, who'd much rather go spend an evening in Hamilton. Uh, you can get almost the same quality meal, much cheaper parking. <laughs> uh, you can go sit on a patio on the lake uh, versus going to Toronto. Um, so lifestyle, it's it's a wonderful place to be with a, a great energy. Um, so that's the soft side of it. And then there we have this massive track history of working with RAIN members who've made very significant returns. Uh, I just, I just, uh, I have one client who just refinanced his property. Uh, he's owned it for five years. He's been earning uh, on average uh, just mortgage pay down and appreciation. Uh, so just to keep the math simple, he's earned on average over 60% return on his money per year. So it's five years. Right. Nice. What are you willing to do? What sorts of risks or work are you willing to do to earn something close to that? Maybe if it's, even if it's like 20 to 25, 20, 30% returns, what are you willing to do? Are you okay to take on, you know, put some effort in to buy a property? And then if they say yes, then we have, then we have these different options. Like if you're really green, I find a lot of newer investors, they prefer newer properties. So I take them down the route of a newer property. And there's only certain areas of Hamilton that have newer properties because they want something low maintenance and, you know, uh, no deferred maintenance. So the furnace and the windows and the roof are all good for many years, right? And uh, yeah, the, the conversation goes down that route as to um, trying to narrow down the style of property they should be going after. And then from the style of property, we get into neighborhoods. Wow. Right. If you want a student rental, we need to be near close to a school, for example. Well, well done. Well, thank you for walking me through that process. And that we just covered that literally in like three minutes, and I already got an incredible education already right. from from the standpoint. So you've just the way you've talked to me about that is that I've just I'm starting to soften, and the fear is going around, uh, going down a little bit. If you actually think about it, you know some of the notes I made of what you t talked about was just the education, right? Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. community have a long-term plan and then just execute against that long-term plan and have incredible uh, support with you as well. So, Yeah. And, and that's one of the things I've learned is like when I started out, I had a really tough time investing. I didn't have the guidance. This is before I was a RAIN member. Uh, you know, I tried to make decisions off of a spreadsheet 
it'd be like two o'clock in the morning. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like doing sensitivity testing on interest rates and my vacancy rate. And uh, I was so lost and didn't know what a good property was that I had let so many slip through my fingers. Uh, I probably frustrated the heck out of my realtor (laughs) uh, by not knowing any better. But um, with, with what we do in our service to, to Ray members and other investors is, um, we have the track history and the knowledge. We know exactly what works because my client on the next street over got, you know, a 1500 bucks rent for this type of house. And now we're looking at the same style of house. In theory, you should be able to get the same sort of rent. <laughs> right? Uh, but our, our network is quite large. Like I have over a hundred clients with, you know, a couple hundred properties in Hamilton. And I talk to my clients all the time because they are my best market research into things, into things like, you know, uh, potential problems in certain neighborhoods with styles of property, tenant profiles, what's hot, right? If we find, some, if we find out something's hot, like for example, like one of my clients, uh, Raymond Burr, James Maggs, he, he bought a property on Cambridge uh, in Hamilton, the street's called Cambridge, and we had uh, at the home inspection. So at the time, at the time uh, he put up an ad on Kijiji to advertise it for rent. Uh, we figured the market rent was about $1,200, but for a test, we put it up at thirteen hundred, right? At the home inspection, we had about eleven parties come through, and nine applications. So that's a very, very high return. Uh, so guess what? What do you think? Where do you think we're looking for properties in and around that same property on Cambridge? I'm kidding, because <laughs> you just have you have a new a new uh, uh, prospect list. Exactly. <laughs> already, exactly. Already built in. There's this so many people looking for a great place to rent, right? This is business at the end of the day. Uh, I want to own an asset that's in high demand, right? As simple as that. Yeah, I remember one time I walked into a property and I just saw how immaculate the tenant, it was tenanted and the tenant was buying, was there and just how immaculate they kept it. And I I just, you know, my inspector, my realtor, they all went to look at the house. I wanted to talk to the tenant Mm -hmm. and the tenant was just sounded fantastic. She'd been there this long. She wanted to sign another lease for another five years. And I said, you know what, if somebody else buys this and I don't get this place, I'm going to buy a place in this complex just to move you into it. (laughs) Because really, you're buying a good customer. You're buying tenants. So, 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 Erwin, just uh, going to change gears here shortly. But just uh, with the comment you made earlier about you know the way you started and you overanalyze things. You know, you know, I think that was just your journey that you had to go through. And I think mm-hmm. one of the key things you probably learned out of that whole stand of that journey is nothing happens until you shoot the puck. Well, absolutely. That's the best education you'll ever get is owning your first property. You know, good, bad, or indifferent, uh, you, you always remember your first, and it's probably the best learning experience when you cut your teeth on just doing that first one. You know, you're going to make mistakes, and we had, you know, Jose Jafergi on this interview series as well, and he said that mistakes were his best friend because he just learned from it. He got all this wonderful education by doing. Oh, I, yeah, <laughs> I heard this say, uh, only a fool learns from his own mistakes. A smart person learns from someone else's mistakes. Ah, nice. <laughs> right. I, I prefer to be the latter. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, I've made some monster mistakes too. <laughs> well, I, hold that thought. I'm going to come to that in a second about uh, an obstacle that you've, uh, maybe one of the biggest obstacles you've had to overcome. But here's just, maybe this is a personal question for me and everybody's listening will get the benefit of this as well. Um, I, I notice and I see you on Facebook all the time and, and you've you've literally transformed yourself with through CrossFit and exercise and and. And, and all that amazing stuff. How do you, do you fit, you know, 
you know, keeping good health and exercise into a really hectic portfolio, a young family, and you got a lot of things on the go. How do you, how do you fit all that in? First of all, it's funny that you ask me for advice because uh, I don't feel like I do anything particularly special or do I think I'm a role model to anyone. <laughs> uh, but some things that I do is I have a full-time assistant. Uh, so any sort of paperwork, uh, you know, any sort of min work I don't do. Uh, I don't enjoy it and it's, uh, and it's not high value work. So I have an assistant for that reason. Um, I've made uh, my health a priority uh, I've had some tough times before with my health and, you know, you've heard many people say you're, you're nothing without your health and that's incredibly true. So I've had my own bumps in the road. Uh, so I make it a priority for myself. I, I just block it off. And I think everyone just needs to do that. You need to, you need to at least allocate some time for yourself to, uh, to make sure that you're healthy. And, uh, I plan on being on this planet as long as possible, uh, fully able, fully body able, because uh, I want to see my kids grow up. Wow. So really, it does just come, it really comes down to a choice at the starting point, a choice. And then from there, there's, you know, some strategies into how to fit it in mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. But I imagine that changed a lot once the, the children and babies started coming along. And, mm-hmm. you know, you, you you can't take your health for granted when somebody else is relying on you. Correct. Correct. And then part of the, the at-home stuff, when, um, my mom helped out when, my, when we had her daughter, uh, but that was never the long-term solution. Uh, we actually hired, uh, we have a live-in nanny as well to help us uh, because my wife has her own business as well and uh, I have my own business. Uh, and there's many times where we need to uh, have someone watch the kids at night. Uh, you know, if I get called out to do something or, um, and also because we both have businesses, you know, if the kids are ever sick, right, someone has to stay home with them. So we have a, we have a full-time nanny for that reason. And so that buys us back a lot of our time. Uh, but on the other side, though, like I, it's really important for us both, to, for my wife and I, that we spend a lot of time with them. So we work at home a fair amount, and I draw a line often um, where I stop working at about 5.30 or so. If I have nothing on the go, I'll draw a line. I, I'm stopping work at 5.30, and I'll spend the rest of the day with my kids. Uh, so it's actually uh, almost every day I have breakfast with my, with my kids and dinner, and many times I'll have lunch with them as well. Yeah. So that's something that, that real estate has afforded me. Good for your brother. I have a, a really good friend of mine in Edmonton that he has a rule that he has to walk his kids to school every day and he has to be home when they come home. And when it comes summertime, he takes six, seven weeks in the RV and they just go for it. And he's, mm-hmm. you know, I think he's got like 88 or so properties and lots of things on the go mm-hmm. at the same time, but he just made that choice and that's the choice that mm-hmm. he made. So Erwin, just, I'm, I'm making a note and I want you to write this down too, because you talked about a personal assistant and hiring a personal assistant. Mm-hmm. I honestly think that's another in a conference uh, podcast for you and I to get on the phone and let's just dive into um, the whole world of working with uh, an assistant or you know staffing and all that kind of fun stuff. So we're mm-hmm. I'm I'm writing that down that we're going to do that. Okay, sure. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, coming back to a question I had asked you earlier. So what would you think would be one of the uh, biggest challenges and obstacles that you've had to overcome in your investing career so far? Uh, I've had probably two. And so specific, specific to real estate investing, uh, before as a RAIN member, we had bought um, this house that we turned into a triplex. And uh, not being the best at screening tenants, we allowed these two young gentlemen to rent from us. Uh, they just moved to town because they gotten jobs there. 
there were a couple red flags. One guy, his uh, SIN number didn't return anything. You'd think that'd be like an automatic no. Uh, but they seemed really nice, and they were very desperate. Uh, so we rented to them. And then their first and last month's check bounced, but we'd already given them keys. And then we went through about a four-month process to uh, evict them. Uh, so, like, in terms of monster mistakes, this whole mistake cost is probably around somewhere around $10,000, which is pretty significant. Uh, and this was early in our investing careers. This was probably, like, our second second or third property. So, for many people, this would have broken them. But uh, uh, we, we got through it. We actually hired a lawyer to help us. It was our first time going to LTB, the Landlord and Tenant Board, to go through a proper eviction. And the funny thing was, is when uh, when we served one of the tenants with uh, with our notice to appear uh, to tribunal, uh, he knew what it was. <laughs> he knew exactly what it was. No, actually, sorry, it was the N four. When we served him as N four for non non payment of rent, he knew exactly what it was. Like, oh, geez, these guys know this game better than we do. <laughs> so the, yeah, so the process dragged on. At this t- uh, this property, uh, we, we, it was a partnership between uh, my girlfriend at the time and her parents that we bought together, and. This caused a lot of stress between us as well. Uh, we're pointing fingers at whose fault it was and where all, all the money was going out the door because of it. Uh, but we got through it. We got through it. We, we, we still continue to buy more properties because we were, we were believers in, uh, in, in real estate as an investment vehicle. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, and then it was funny because uh, my first exposure to rain was pretty shortly after that. And it was at Acre. Where we, where you guys taught us how to screen tenants, <laughs> how to run credit checks, like questions to ask. I remember one time you guys had a private eye, uh, give a keynote speech on. Oh, no, sorry, they were they were police officers. They were giving uh, uh, tips on how to screen tenants and ask them questions. We didn't do any of that. <laughs> so, well, the missing ingredient was the education. The education was available. We just needed to go get it. <laughs> you learned the hard way. Yeah, that was my point. Like, you know, I but can learn hey, from my own mistakes or I can learn from someone else's. So I hope I, everyone listening to this learns imagine, from my mistake. I imagine you don't make those mistakes again now, do you? Oh, never again. Never <laughs> you, again. You've paid, the, you've paid that tuition in full four times for, yeah. for not doing credit checks and screening. And you know, what, a, what, a, what a wonderful, wonderful story with that. And just, you know what? Education, I remember the whole time before I became a RAIN member is, you know, it was frustrating getting a, a loan and a bank financing. And then I learned the system and the checklist and I then exact same bank, exact same person. I just presented it differently with a different checklist, provide the documents in advance. And lo and behold, I got accepted the time after. So mm-hmm. just sometimes small shifts can make a huge difference. Now, speaking of making a huge difference in your community and in your in your world and making a difference with others, you have something that you've started. And I don't know how long it's been going on, but but you you've made a a little bit of a mission to to help feed people in your communities with doing what you call I believe it's called the basket brigade. Yes. Maybe if you can give some insights into what you what you do with that with that cause, and maybe if you know if people want to get involved with that, just maybe give a little plug for that too. Sure. We call it the Hamilton Basket Brigade. Uh, what we do is we uh, we accept donations. And then our core group gets together and we go and buy groceries for a holiday dinner. So it depends on the holiday. We, we work on Christmas, Thanksgiving, and Easter. Uh, so for you know your standard holiday meals, your turkey and all the fixings that go around it. So our budget's somewhere around $70 per, per family. Uh, it started, uh, you know, it kind of sounds silly, but 
I'm always hungry and I can't stand the fact of other being other people being hungry when they can't help it. So, so that's just part of the motivation. Uh, and we do this in Hamilton because it's, it's been, Hamilton has given us so much. Uh, this is our chance to give back to the community that's meant, meant so much to us. Um, so it started uh, with a few friends of mine, Maria Marcuse, who's a very long time Rain member who I met at Rain, who's still a good friend of mine uh, with her help. And uh, James Maggs, also, again, another wonderful person I met, at, met through Rain, and my property manager, Roger Auger, uh, we got together. I said, I started first, first I started off, I said, hey, Roger, let's do this. Let's take this, do three families each, right? Uh, and then he, he would go to his, his school principal and ask for six names for people that needed help, right? And then he came back to me and said, oh, we got, we got 16. Well I, well, I asked for six, so <laughs> well, we're not going to say no to anyone. Because I can't stand the idea of people being hungry, especially on a holiday. We're talking about this is Christmas at the time, so, so it being sixteen, and then uh, and then I, again I told Roger we won't say no to anybody, anyone. We'll we'll figure this out, uh, and then it ballooned up to a final number of thirty-seven, uh, and then once we had that, I recruited James and Maria to help me, uh, and then we organized it. We executed uh, and we. We asked our friends for help. Uh, and again, most of my friends are members and, and, and my clients. Uh, so they all helped. And so we executed on uh, putting together care packages of a turkey and everything they need for a Christmas dinner. And we delivered them. So this was part of the fun part. We, we, we did this organization. We started this organization because we wanted, we wanted to be the ones hand delivering the food to people in need. And no organization would help us. The church wouldn't help us. Uh, the other, all the other charities out there wouldn't help us for privacy reasons. That's pretty obvious, right? Uh, so we, we said we'd do it ourselves. So that was Christmas. We did 37. And then uh, Maria, a remember, ambitious person, she said, let's double it uh, for Easter. So we did. We, we raised the money, successfully raised the money, bought groceries, and delivered to 75 families. And then for Easter uh, last year, and then again, her being a troublemaker, she said, let's double it again. So for Thanksgiving in 2015, we delivered to 150 families. And then for Christmas, uh, just last year, it's 2015, uh, thanks to much generosity from, from uh, the investor world. And that's another point to make is, uh, you know, people outside of our networks, outside of our, our social groups, they think they see us as like slumlords and trying to screw people. But if you see my donor list, they're all investors. Especially my biggest the biggest investors, like the 20, the 20% 20 that provided like 80% of the donations, they're all real estate investors who all own property. They're all landlords. Uh, so some of the most generous people I know are landlords. Funny thing. Um, so thanks to donations, we we fed 200 families for Christmas. And at the time, uh, we had the whole Syria crisis. Uh, so we actually, <laughs> Maria and I went to, to deliver to a, a brand new family, Canadian family from Syria who'd been in Canada for a whopping week. So how cool is that? Like part of their first experience of being Canadian is these people we do not know brought us dinner. <laughs> uh, wow, good for you, Irwin. That's 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 touching. Now, also, you've also inspired some other people to take this concept out to 
other regions as well. So is it spreading? I, I believe um, Rich Danby was doing this in Ottawa at the same mm-hmm. time. Is it starting to get into different communities as well? Yeah, like Quentin's D'Souza ran a pretty good size one. I think they fed around 50 families for Thanksgiving last year. Quentin D'Souza, former Rain member, again, someone I met at Rain, a uh, wonderful person. Uh, and uh, Mike Gillespie, another person I went through, met through this real estate investment network, uh, who's trying to start one up in St. Catharines. Uh, so yeah, we're yeah, uh, and again, and investors I know are trying to start one in Nanaimo, BC, with the help of uh, Julie Broad, who I would have never met without being a Rain member. Her father was a Rain member. <laughs> I think Dave Dave was as well. So. Ah, okay, okay, yeah. excellent. So Julie's husband, Dave. Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't, I would never would have known all these wonderful people. First of all, if not for being at Rain. Well, good for you. That's just that's very heartwarming to hear about the the giving back. Um, just the nature and it speaks it speaks loud and volumes to just who you are as a person at the same mm-hmm. time Erwin so so just you know I don't know if you've ever had a chance to you know stop and pat yourself on the back but you know brother I'm reaching across the microphone at a virtual pat on the back and <laughs> telling you a hell of a job my friend hell of thank a job you. thank you and and I always tell people that when people say this uh, like great work oh well, I, I feel I'm just serving my purpose I'm filling my role like, what else should I be doing? I've done very well in business and as an investor. What else would I be doing? This is the right thing to do. Uh, and also just to provide a quick update on the charity, we filed for uh, official charity status. So at a, at a pretty significant expense to my wife and I, we had to hire lawyers to go through the process to uh, start hoping a corporation and also go to the government saying, hey, we're a charity. And sadly, sadly, uh, many charities are really just tax evasion strategies so we're having to jump through many hoops and go through like three levels like three levels of government i never even heard of before <laughs> to get this approval so hopefully within a month we'll be an official charity so we can actually give receipts and that's the other part neat part you know people think investors are all capitalists we haven't given anyone a receipt because we can't people are just giving out of the goodness of their heart to support this charity work that we do to feed people right there's other charities that will give you a receipt so they can get a better return there but they believe in us and they believe in what we're doing. Yep. Again, yep. investors. You know what? Maybe maybe we can work something out here. Erwin is maybe in that basket of food there. There might be some good Christmas reading of a good real estate book or something in there as well. <laughs> That'd be pretty amazing. Ah, maybe something there is. That could be the next evolution of the inspiration is to help people feed them, but then also feed their mind at the same time and feed their, feed their passion, feed some inspiration into them as well. Mm-hmm. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, write that down, my friend. <laughs> we'll talk. <laughs> you know what? This has been really fun so far, and I've just uh, just been very um, honored to to have you on, on on the call here today. So here's the second to last question. You know, imagine this, if you will. Close your eyes if you need to. You've you've walked into a room, and you know you may have to open your eyes to see that the room has been painted mushroom basket. You know. Rain, mem- rain members get the joke. Yeah. Yep. Uh, got it right so, away. <laughs> so you, you've walked in and in this room, there are two chairs that are sitting there in this middle of this room. There's nothing else in there. There's no windows. There's nothing. It's just two chairs. And in one of those chairs is sitting 18-year-old Erwin Zito. Yeah. And you now get a chance to sit kneecap to kneecap with your 18-year-old self. What advice would you offer that good-looking young man, that handsome young man with the world at his fingertips, what advice would you offer that young man? 
At 18? <laughs> yeah, grow up quickly. <laughs> yeah, grow up quickly. Uh, trust yourself. Uh, take action on what you know. You're uh, One saying, uh, I don't know who said it, uh, but I love the saying is, uh, you're more powerful than you think you are. Uh, you're, you're capable of more change than you think you are. So just act on it. Well done. So just before we do um, wrap up here, Erwin, I just wanted to just acknowledge, and I, I talked about this earlier, I just wanted to, you know, your your ethics, your integrity, um, just being a wonderful role model, you you give back and you're just a wonderful coach. And I know we talked on about this before off air and you're just uh, such a genuine giving person that you're just a wonderful inspiration. And I'm really, really happy that I know you and happy that I had this chance that we could have this conversation and share this conversation with, with your world and with our world. And I just wanted to acknowledge you for what you've done and who you've become as a person, my friend. Hey, take some credit, Russ. I, I wouldn't be here without you and Don. <laughs> oh, thank you for saying that. Um, so where do you hang out, Erwin? Where, where do you hang out online? Do you have a website? Do you hang out on Facebook or Instagram? Or where, where can somebody, if they're feeling really inspired and want to connect with you and maybe want to invest in the Hamilton area, where can they reach out to you, my friend? Uh, for business, my website is mrhamilton.ca. Yeah, go figure, eh? Yeah, and that's that, M-R? Yeah, M-R-H-A-M. Yeah, I L T O N dot C A. Uh, my podcast episodes are there. My blog posts are there. Uh, especially for anyone who's interested in investing in Hamilton, that's a great place to start. Because uh, my blog posts, I kind of cut to the point. On really, I'm just sharing information that I think uh, any investor should know, including myself. And I just post it there. And also, I provide some commentary. So I kind of uh, kind of boil it down for for investors, for my clients, as to what they need to know. Uh, in terms of economic fundamentals, what's in the news, what's happening. Go train announcements, for example, was my last post. Um, and then personally, uh, I spend, admittedly, I probably spend too much time on Facebook, but uh, that's probably the best way for people to connect with me if they're interested. Uh, Facebook.com slash Erwin.cedo, I think. I think. Yeah, you just that put it in, put, just type it there. into that little search boxy thing, it'll find you. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> I have some privacy settings, but uh, <laughs> yeah. but if you're if you're a friend of Russell, I'm sure you'll you'll see me. <laughs> <laughs> now, also, I'm going to just give a, a really a good shout out to your your wife as well. Your wife produces some amazing content. I've I Thank I you. love the and please pass that along. Uh, your wife is an accountant who mm-hmm. who is especially obviously in the real estate space. And uh, maybe give a quick shout out where people can link out to to some of her um, great information as well. Right. My, my wife's name is Cherry Chan, and she holds a designation of CPA, which is Chartered Professional Accountant. So her website is an acronym for that, cccpa.ca. Oh, nice. <laughs> well done. Well done. <laughs> and, and the funny thing about my wife is because, she has, because she's an investor and because she's my wife and I'm getting free accounting advice, I've stress tested her for almost every ridiculous tax question you can ask. So anything you, any of you out have out there, she can handle it because she's probably heard it from me before. She's, she's been Irwin tested and approved. Yeah, if she's going to work with me, then it's, it's, I'm not easy to work with either. Uh, yeah, so everyone else is a joy after working with you, right? Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> oh, well, well done, my friend. So I, I see we're we're getting close to that hour mark, and I just wanted to wrap it up. And literally, we we could go on and on. You're just a, a wealth and the, uh, just a tremendous depth of information here. And we'll be having a lot more conversations soon, my friend. 
Um, but just wanted to thank you. Thank you for, for taking the time out of your schedule. And, uh, and just maybe if you have any final last thoughts you'd like to leave with everyone before we do sign off. I think my advice would be targeted to anyone who's new to this is uh, this is way easier than you think it is. You're just making it more difficult than uh, in your head than it really is. Just get yourself educated and find yourself a mentor. Surround yourself with people who are already doing this, who have what you want. And that's the advice I give to everybody. Whatever it is you want, surround yourself with those people who already have it and learn from them. Well done. Couldn't have said that better myself. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this has been an absolute blast. I hope you've got as much. I've got four pages of notes here myself. I hope you got as much out of this as I have. So just wanted to thank everyone for listening to this interview. So ladies and gentlemen, Russell Westcott from the Real Estate Investment Network, signing off. Bye for now. You've just listened to the latest Building Real Estate Wealth episode. And on behalf of the entire team at the Real Estate Investment Network, I wanted to thank you for your time. Feel free to share this episode with a family member or a friend and help inspire somebody in your life. If you're feeling inspired and moved by this amazing story and would like to author your very own real estate success story, I would like to invite you to take the next steps that are right for you. If you're not sure where to start, the following three steps will set you up on the pathway to success. First, use a real estate investing system that has been tested in all market conditions. Next, make sure you surround yourself with like-minded investors. And finally, take some action. A membership within the Rain family will help you accomplish all three and put you firmly on the pathway to success. You can always go to raincanada.com or you can call 1-888-824-7346 to make sure that this is a fit for you or if you have any questions. Once again, thank you for your time and we look forward to helping you author your real estate success story. 